Let's get it on. Get it on. We will. Mike Semper VV here with you for the next hour talking professional wrestling and mixed martial arts. It's a lie. We won't be talking about any mixed martial arts, but we do talk about professional wrestling every single day here on the Sports Byline Broadcasting Network. And however you're joining me today, tune in iHeart American Forces Radio over their affiliates like the Mightier 1090, SportsByline.com, Sirius XM 156 podcast, or streaming on Twitch or YouTube. I just want to say thank you for spending a little bit of time with me today. So many platforms that you can come enjoy us on. The big boss man's not enjoying anything right now. That's why he's not here. Right now he's trying to pack up two kids and get on the road to the next rental property that he is going to somewhere on the island of Kauai. I don't think he's going anywhere on the Hawaiian Islands. He is loyal to that one island there. Vinny, on the way home, got a upgrade to first class. These things never happen to Brian's friend, Vinny. Maybe his luck is, is just about to change here. But uh, hopefully the boss man's okay Thank God, Madcap Moss is okay, and this is some of the new news that was just posted up on the Wrestling Observer website. Madcap Moss passes all medical tests following the Elimination Chamber bump. The subheader says uh, the 32-year-old is cleared to wrestle after landing directly on his head, because that's kind of what happened there. Madcap Moss cleared for action after passing a series of medical tests following the scary-looking bump on his neck at last Saturday's Elimination Chamber. Fightful first reported that his test results showed no damage, while PWI Insider reported that Moss was cleared. PWI Insider also reported that Moss has to, has to had to undergo, pardon me, uh, various tests that included X-rays and passed them all. He fell directly on top of his head on an Alabama slam in his Falls Count Anywhere match against Drew McIntyre at Saturday's Elimination Chamber event in Saudi Arabia. All three men should be on SmackDown Friday night to build towards. Drew McIntyre and uh, Happy Corbin at WrestleMania 38. There is a lot to get into. Dax Harwood's appearance on Renee Paquette's podcast. We've got a new GHC heavyweight champion and your NXT review when we get back. Wrestling Observer Live. Welcome back to the show, everybody. Wrestling Observer Live. Why is this now booming through my speakers here? Look, look at this. Look at this. Got a different video producer. I'd like to welcome John on board. Usually Jared doesn't have the uh, the music coming back to me, but uh, put put that back down now. So welcome back to the show. Hey, you know, we do this thing, you know, sometimes coherently uh, for an hour at a time every single day. But if you want us 24-7, probably the easiest way to try and do that is to get a hold of us on Twitter. I'm pretty much awake 24 hours a day, so you might catch me on there. It's at SemperVivi. The timeline uh, for WrestlingObserver.com uh, and Figure Four Weekly and Figure Four Online and all that sort of good stuff, at WONF4W. The broadcaster is at Sports Byline USA. And if you love pro wrestling, at Mid-Atlantic Pod. It's my labor of love. Brian Alvarez. Alvarez is at Brian Alvarez. He'll be back tomorrow for all of you out there listening uh, to this show. For subscribers of WrestlingObserver.com, he will be back tonight. 
show with Dave Meltzer talking all about AEW Dynamite. And we actually have a, a lineup for that show, as we, we do all the time with, with AEW. We have some, some matches and some, some things going on. Ten-team battle royal to decide the number one contenders to Jurassic Express's tag team titles. We have Chris Jericho and Eddie Kingston having a face-to-face showdown, which I'm sure will include lots of cursing. Uh, TBS women's title, Jade Cargill defense against the Bunny with Matt Hardy. So one would assume Jay Cargill wins that match. I would uh, wonder if that's uh, going to cause Matt Hardy to once again be upset, uh, much like uh, who was it, Mark Quinn? No, uh, Isaiah Cassidy losing to Keith Lee stormed out through the crowd. I wonder if that's going to be the case here. I also wonder, and I know it, it probably won't go this way again with Jay Cargill, the rookie challenge thing. I just, I, I don't know. The, the, her and Serena Deeb down the line with Jade Cargill being the baby face in that exchange. I don't know. I, I like that idea. I, I don't know if that'll actually come to pass or not, but Malachi Black and Brody King, the House of Black, facing off against two-thirds of the Death Triangle, Penta and Pac. So that's what we got coming up here on Dynamite. We've got a new GHC heavyweight champion, Pride Never Die. Yes, uh, this early in the show, I've decided to bring up something from Japan, Pro Wrestling Noah. And uh, I guess maybe I lied at the beginning. Maybe we are going to talk a little bit about mixed martial arts just a little bit here because your new GHC heavyweight champion, Kaz Fujita, old Ironhead, Pride uh Notable for years, an Inoki uh, hand-picked guy uh, that was the late wave of Inokiism and what Antonio Noki wanted out of New Japan into the late 90s, into the 2000s. He looked at Kaz Vegeta as being one of those guys. He's 51 years old now, and he defeated Katsuhiko Nakajima to win his first GHC heavyweight champion, pinned him after a soccer kick and a beast bomb. So after the match, Masato Tanaka, another old head, came out, poured beer over Fujita's head, and challenged him uh, for the championship. This is the end of Nakajima's 136-day reign as GHC champion. He defeated Naomichi Marufuji back on October 10th. He had successfully defended the title four times, three wins, and then went to a draw with Keno when the National Openweight title was also on the line. It's a title, that National Openweight title, Fujita actually held last year. So winning titles in NOAA, not a new thing for Kaz Fujita, but it blows me away that they decided to go ahead and put the title on him unlike Keiji Muto the great Muda who is now out with a hip injury this decision while kind of odd uh Fujita can still work he can still put on good matches and he is a probably a, a really good fit actually uh no matter who he faces I mean he's faced everybody on the roster he's had pretty good performances with all of them but yeah 51 year old Kaz Fujita just another one in a long line of guys over 50 years old I can remember was it uh, Tenru a couple of years ago having that match with um, Noro Suzuki or I'm sorry, uh, Kaz Okada or with a Kazuchika Okada where Okada basically had to powerbomb himself. I mean, that's how uh, broken down, unfortunately, that uh, that he was at that point. But you look at some of the guys now. We talked about Christopher Daniels because the match he had with Nick Wayne and Defy a couple of weeks ago, Dustin Rhodes 
who had a great match with Cody, and every time he's been tapped to go out there for AEW, he's had to go when he's 52. He'll be 53 coming up in, in April. Uh, Sugiera, Takashi Sugiera in Noah, uh, Minoru Suzuki himself too, uh, Masaki Mochizuki. There are so many guys over the age of 50 years old who can still go right now. So congratulations uh, out of Nagoya for uh, Kazuyuki Fujita, who... Again, it's amazing that this guy's been around for so long, watching him in pride fights way back in, in 2000, and 22 years later, here he is on, on top of the heap uh, in pro wrestling, Noah. Also, some news out of WWE. Two presenting sponsors have been announced for this year's WrestleMania. Gotta be honest, it doesn't look like it's too much of a surprise, since one of them makes uh, is their video game, and the other one is Snickers, who's been a, a longtime partner of theirs. WWE's touting this, and you will love all of the buzzwords that are going to be in this, that this is the first time that two brands have served as the presenting partners for WrestleMania. This will be the seventh consecutive year that Snickers has been a featured sponsor of the event. Both brands will be showcased on TV leading into Mania, along with both nights of the pay-per-view and the pre-shows. They will be featured in custom digital and social content on WWE.com and WWE's vaunted YouTube channel. Uh, here's a, a quote from Claudine Lillian, WWE's uh, global head of sales and partnerships. WrestleMania 38 in Dallas will be the most stupendous two-night WrestleMania in history, so it seemed fitting to bring together two of our longest-reigning brand partners. I guess one could also say those are the only ones who would step up and give you any of the money that you wanted to do any of this, but that would be cynical, and I don't want to do that today. Uh, she went on to say that the 360-degree partnership with Snickers and WWE 2K22 will provide maximum reach with activations across our broadcast, digital, and streaming assets, as well as our world-renowned roster of WWE superstars. You tell this is a press release, which all of this is available for your reading pleasure over at WrestlingObserver.com. Uh, Mars is excited to continue to bring fun to WWE fans by returning as a presenting partner. That was capitalized, by the way, both of those words of WrestleMania this year alongside our friends at 2K. That came from Michelle Dagenen, uh Senior Director of Mars Wrigley. At Mars, we know the WWE fan base is passionate and hungry for more entertainment, and we look forward to giving them a solution to those moments when they are feeling out of sorts in a way only Snickers can deliver on. So this uh, all wraps up with the WWE 2K22 team is thrilled to co-present WrestleMania alongside a fantastic and delicious partner in Snickers, said Alfie Brody, Vice President of Global Marketing Strategy at 2K We'll all be cheering on our WWE 2K22 cover superstar Rey Mysterio as he hits different at the Showcase of the Immortals. So there's branding news from, from WWE. They don't give you what, they, what you want in the ring all the time, but as far as buzzwords go and money made... They they got you covered right there. So Snickers and 2K22 are going to be the, the sponsors of that. Uh, <laughs> ratings news. I'll just throw this in there for anybody who wants to get upset. Apparently, these are all being delayed right now because of the President's Day holiday here in America that was celebrated on Monday. Maybe by the time we finish up the show today, we'll have Monday night's raw number. No clue about that. But last Friday's SmackDown averaged 2.17 
3 million viewers on Fox, down 2.6% from the previous week. Second lowest audience for SmackDown so far in 2022. In the 18-49 demo, SmackDown was a, got a 0.54, down 1.8% from the previous week. With the exception of NBC's coverage of the Winter Olympics, SmackDown beat everything else on television for the night, but the rating was also the second lowest 18 to 49 demo number that they have done in 2022. They did lead all non-Olympic programming on the broadcast networks in the 18 to 34 demo, whereas Friday night's edition of AEW Rampage, awful, 471,000 viewers. I'll give you some more insight as to uh, what's in there, as well as Dax Harwood's appearance on Renee Paquette's Oral Sessions podcast. We'll be back. Wrestling Observer Live. Back on the show, Mike Sempervivi here with you. Wrestling Observer Live. Brian Alvarez, main host for this show. Working with family right now. Very difficult to do. Children and animals, terrible to deal with, especially when you're trying to like be on the move. That's what he's trying to do right now. But don't worry, he'll be moving back into the main hosting chair tomorrow on this show, and you won't miss a beat at all. If you're a subscriber over at WrestlingObserver.com, he will be back with Dave early in the morning on Thursday morning, probably about 5 o'clock in the morning, to talk all about AEW Dynamite and all the news that's been taking place in the last couple of days. I think we've had some, we've had some Cody and uh aw wwe move free days at least it seemed like that maybe my timeline is just curated really well but uh that's died down at least for the moment here uh but oh by the way as i was saying too about aew and and friday night last friday night uh yeah it was it was bad (laughs) it was bad 471,000 viewers on tnt down 14.2 percent from the previous week lowest viewership Rampage has drawn since the New Year's Eve episode. Uh, This Rampage, obviously, 7 p.m. Eastern time due to the NBA All-Star Game festivities taking place uh, on TNT. Rampage actually drew a .20 rating in the 18-49 demo. That was 11th overall. It's actually up 5.3% from the previous week, but uh, matches the second lowest number the Rampage has done in 2022. The increase in 18-49 was because females in that age group were up 20%, or nearly 20%, 18%, while males were down nearly 4%. Rampage, huge drop with people over 50 33.3% in that age group. So uh, the 0.16 rating matches the lowest number Rampage has ever done with the uh, over 50 audience. So just not a good night whatsoever. I don't know what the answer is there, honestly, uh, when it comes to Friday nights and Rampage. Uh, 7 o'clock, obviously not the answer. Uh, 10 o'clock, not the answer. It's still better than 7. I think we, we know that's for sure. But uh, it's a tough night. It's just a tough night, and you gotta hope that what you put on there is able to get DVR numbers. You know, plus three, plus five, plus seven, whatever the hell they are. When they go ahead and measure those out, I mean, you just want to have something on there. You don't want to give away anything that's too important. You want that to be on dynamite until the ratings and the eyeballs start to increase for Rampage. No, no point in doing that. But you still want to make sure you have something on there that gets people back into watching, gets people you know in tune with it. They don't drop out of the habit of knowing it, is, it exists too much. And 
and hopefully you have some DVR value to it. But uh, those are the the numbers. So uh, I'm not sure if Brian has been posting any, but uh, feel free to go over to his timeline and get very upset about those or to revel in them, whichever you'd like to do. Go ahead and do it there over at at Brian Alvarez. Uh, He loves that sort of thing over there. Interesting story. I don't I don't know if this is news. I, I think it's news. I feel as though it's news because now more than ever in professional wrestling, a business that has had a lot of people in it for a long time, like, you know, forever with, with, with histories of, of social and, and mental illness and anxieties and disorders and all that sort of stuff. The reason that it's been taking place in wrestling forever, it's because it's been taking place forever with everyone. It's just seemingly in the last couple of years, we've been able to shine a light, uh, a bright light onto professional wrestling and many of the people involved with it coming out and talking about their problems and talking about some of the things that they've gone through and, Former AEW Tag Team Champion, Dax Harwood, opened up about some of those uh, struggles that he has had in his life on the latest edition of Renee Paquette's The Sessions podcast, including a story about how Shawn Michaels embarrassed him after what he thought was a heartfelt conversation between the two. This is a this is a very long interview. Uh, I say very long interview. It's nearly an hour long. Uh, Harwood really opens up about a, a lot of things, uh, you know, about being growing up heavy, being a lineman. But this is something I can relate to: being a lineman and being undersized and trying to put on weight, and then putting on a whole lot of weight playing football, and then you don't drop that weight, you know. And he talks about blowing up to two hundred and eighty-five pounds, and then a buddy of his that was going through some issues moved in with him, and he caught his buddy one day purging, throwing up outside. His buddy was overweight the the same way, and he said, this is what I'm trying to, to do to take some weight off, and then got to the point where Harwood was doing it and then doing it every day, and if he didn't do it every day, it didn't feel good. And a lot of people don't they don't think about that with men. They don't think about it. They, they It comes up with women a lot because of the modeling industry and, and things like that, but when it comes to men purging, it's one of those things that's not really talked about a whole lot. It's not you know really paid attention to a whole lot. He talks about some of the struggles uh, that I think we can all relate to, those of us who have kids, you know, especially those of us who have been out there in our lives and maybe had too much fun, maybe did a lot of the, the things you, you shouldn't have did and, and done things uh, that, that you, you regret, you know, and, and you think about the mistakes that your kids are going to grow up with and you think about the, the image issues that you have and some of the the, the introspection that you have amongst yourself and the things that you don't like and those things being you know happening to your kids by having your kids get made fun of having your kids be pointed at and laughed at for how they look or or whatever and he talks about all the anxiety and i thought it was a great great interview and really is very open talks about his wife's miscarriage being the trigger point for some of his anxiety where he couldn't sleep and he's going into this match with the young bucks and he he just he couldn't sleep and and just a lot of stuff, and I really, you know, I really would would suggest people hear it. And I don't want to, I don't think I'm doing anything. This clip has been out there uh, because of the content of it, so I don't think that Renee Paquette's going to get too upset about this. And again, I strongly urge people to check this show out, listen to it, and just listen to a guy's story, and just listen to this. 
again, just, you know, outside of the wrestling ring, you know, this human being talking about some of the stuff that he's gone through. But I, I've got this clip and Dom's going to play it right now for you about this situation that he had with Shawn Michaels. And I will say this, I'll, I'll talk about it more afterwards, but it is. It's very disappointing, that is for sure. And, uh, and Dom, go ahead and play the clip now, let people hear it. And this is Dax uh, Harwood talking about uh, his uh, conversations with Shawn Michaels, both before and after Raw 25, where he and, and Cash Wheeler were laid out, FTR was laid out, the Revival, I'm sorry, were, were laid out at the hands of DX and the Balor Club. So go ahead and play that now, Dom. That happened, and I talked to Sean, and that was the first time we talked since um, the PC days. And I told him, like, I was like, man, this happened, tore my bicep. I went through a really dark period. I thought I was going to quit. But thankfully, just like I've told you, I had the greatest wife in the world, and she has supported me, and she brought me out of this funk, and, like, she brought me out of a dark place, and I'm here now, and I'm super happy. He said, I was the same way. I was in this very dark spot. I met my wife. She's beautiful. She pulled me out of this dark spot, too. And I was like, oh, that's so awesome. He said, look, you and your partner are way too talented to be doing what you're doing tonight. You're way too talented to stay at this point. Just keep your nose to the ground and keep grinding, and you're going to get over it. I'm like, oh, man, Sean, thank you so much. And so we had this bonding moment. And then we got in front of his friends, X-Pac and Hunter and Billy and Road Dog and Scott. And as soon as we got in front of his friends, he started making fun of me and making fun of my situation and what happened with my bicep. And I was like, man, I just poured my heart out to you. And as soon as we get in front of your friends, because we're going over what, you know, they're going to be out of us, you decide to take all that stuff and make fun of me about it. And I never, ever forgot it. And um, as soon as we were done with the business at Raw, one person said thank you to us. And it was Sean Waltman. Everyone else was so cold to us and treated us like we were just like, on the bottom of their shoes, except for Sean Waltman. And I'll never forget that for Sean. And I hope that there's a day we, that comes that we can have a conversation and sit down and I can ask him why he did that. And we can reconcile if he wants to. But yeah, if I love you, I love you. If I don't, I don't. Harwood, uh, speaking about thinking that he had a real bonding moment uh, with Shawn Michaels. And then when Michaels was in front of his, his friends and uh, he started making fun of Harwood's bicep injury and, and other issues that he had, the only person that thanked he and uh, cash were, were, was X-Pac and uh, there's that. And uh, I, you know, and I'm stammering and stuttering about a lot of this, too, because I've had, you know, my as one could probably tell by just looking at me and hearing me every day, you know, been through some things. It's been a long road to get here. And, uh, you know, professional wrestling has been one of those things I've been able to hide in. Problem with some of that is when professional wrestling starts to turn on you and you do it for a job sometimes, then, you know, it's not fun anymore. And those pressures are on you and there's a. It's a, you don't make a lot of money doing this sort of stuff. And there's, you know, it's, it, it can be hell and being inside your own head can be hell. And I'd like to maybe think that maybe, maybe there was a miscommunication. Maybe, maybe Michael's Dax took it wrong. Maybe Michael's, I'm trying to come up with an excuse that Michael's doesn't come off looking like a dick. And this is the guy that's running NXT. 
And I guess it's cool, you know, if you're, you know, Carmelo and he's all on your side. But if you're not, I mean, damn. And, and I guess, you know, and I again, I don't know if this is news because he's head of NXT or not. I don't know if this is news because it, it's two guys in the wrestling business who have this type of disagreement. But it's like, man, I want to I want to see how somehow this isn't true. But then and I think I'd be calling Dax a liar. And uh, I don't think he is. Hopefully they can work it out, though. Your NXT review when we get back. Wrestling Observer Live. Oh, Mike Sempervivi back here with you. Wrestling Observer Live. You know, I probably should have had Ringo Starr's uh, all-star band play when they were in New Jersey. show went to February 14th, 1999. The reason I'm bringing this up is because Gary Brooker, Proko Harum, just passed away. I know all the kids are like, who? Uh, Wider State Apparel. It's, it's a great song. I'm sure somebody from this era has probably covered it and messed it all up, but they can't sing it like Gary Brooker did. He just passed away not all that long ago, and it just rushed back the time that I saw Ringo Stoller in his all-star band. It was Todd Rundgren. It was uh, Gary Brooker, Jack Bruce from Cream, uh, Simon Kirk from Bad Company. I want to say Sheila E. was there. I keep mentally I put Sheila E. there, but I, I, I don't think she she was. But regardless, it was a hell of a show. And also that night was the debut of the big show uh, because it was St. Valentine's Day Massacre. And we had to make sure, you know, we went to that show because somebody had had free tickets. So somebody's parents. So we ended up going for that and then uh, ended up hooking up the black box, uh, took that up, stole the pay-per-view. I didn't. He did. It was his box. But ended up watching Paul White debut uh, as well as seeing the, the all-star band. But it was a hell of a singer and a hell of an artist, a hell of a group, you know, that uh, that Proko Harum is just a – Amazing. Royal Albert Hall. I'm trying to think of who may, may have been the, the London uh, orchestra that backed him up. Just incredible, incredible stuff. But it's got nothing to do with wrestling other than that, that tie into St. Valentine's Day Massacre right there. It was a massacre on NXT last night. Oh, let, let me also bring this up, too, since off the coming off the story that I, I just talked about with Dax Harwood and talking about pro wrestling and talking about mental health, you know, coming more to light and people understanding it more. Gabriel Kidd, who has had some incidents on Twitter recently that people, I will say this, I know there were some people that were real douches about it, but the reality is, is I was actually kind of happy seeing some of the responses and seeing people lay off Gabriel Kidd because they know this is a young man who wrestles for Revolution Pro over in England. New Japan Strong was going to come back to the New Japan Strong tapings, had an episode uh, while he was on the beach, uh, posted a video on Twitter that Will Ospreay and other people, you know, were instantly, you know, saw and knew what it was. They were able to get a hold of him. They were able to, to get him in a good spot or at least get him to a spot where he can get some help. And Gabriel Kidd this morning, about a little bit before 8 o'clock this morning on Twitter, posted that this isn't a wrestling promo. I am not well, and I will be taking time off because after 13 years of dedicating my life and putting wrestling first, I need a rest. 
Thank you to my family and closest friends for giving me the wake-up call I've needed for a while. I'll be back. Kid was, like I mentioned, supposed to be at those New Japan Strong tapings. He was pulled off of that show. I think he was supposed to face Blake Christian, if I, if I remember right. He was also set to be at the Terminus show uh, for Jonathan Gresham coming up this Thursday. He is obviously off of that as well. You know, he's been... He's been struggling with mental health uh, while well, he lived in Japan for 18 months after the COVID-19 pandemic. He's talked about the fact he's battled suicidal thoughts. And, and the two things that he had going uh, were, were his mother and pro wrestling. And sometimes the things that you love the most, pro wrestling, not his mother, are, are sometimes not a help. And sometimes being a pro wrestler is not a help. So thankfully, Gabriel Kidd, the human being, the person, is going to get the help that he needs and hopefully people can continue to support him, Dax Harwood, everybody who comes out and actually speaks openly about these issues need to be supported. They need to be trusted, believe, and not have their trust violated. I've had that happen. A lot of people have had it. And you end up clamming up more. You don't want to reach out anymore because a hand that you trusted slapped at you or bit you, and it sucks. And, um, you know, it happens in pro wrestling a lot more. And that's... Again, I know the Will Ospreay stories of the last couple of years has helped bring some things to light about this. This has been going on forever because it's been going on forever. And it's been one of those things that always gets swept under the rug. But transition here. Uh, I'll actually transition out with New Japan before we get to the NXT review, just to say because this lineup is getting stronger and stronger and stronger, no pun intended, for a strong style evolve taking place in St. Petersburg coming up on March 20th. Jay White's U.S. of J Open Challenge is going to continue. White's beaten two AEW guys so far, Jay Lethal and Christopher Daniels. Uh, Shane, yes, Swerve Strickland did you know, actually take up that challenge too. But since it was taped and it was spoilers, uh, we'll, we'll just ignore that one for right now. Strickland's going to be on that show as well, facing Blake Christian. How can that not be great? I, I, I don't know. Also returning to Strong will be Jay Lethal, who's going to be taking on Ren Narita. Mascara Dorada making his first appearance in years for New Japan, uh, facing TJP. Filthy's going to be on that show. Juice Robinson, Fred Rosser, Jonah, Carl Fredericks, Hikaleo, Rocky Romero. Uh, the whole crew is going to be on there. So that's coming up on March 20th. Speaking of Filthy, by the way, if you have any chance to want to see some good wrestling from this past weekend, Filthy, Matt Mikowski, the Black Label Pro Show on Saturday. He was fantastic. He also made a special appearance during the Dalton Castle uh, uh, I almost said uh, Jay Lethal match. <laughs> the, the Dalton Castle um match with and now i'm gonna of course completely forget here uh half of the motor city machine guns alex shelley yes folks it's, it's been hard for me i told you that over these years but uh he came out before the the match that shelley and don castle were supposed to have filthy has held the prestige heavyweight championship for like three years now they call it a world championship i don't know about that but then again any belt that filthy wears he makes it a world championship but Decided to put the belt up on the line. Alex Shelley ended up getting the victory. A double slice bread on Filthy. And the Peacock ended up pinning uh, Dalton Castle to take the victory. So Filthy? He's still got a claim to get another one-on-one -on -one down the line against the champion. But uh, he had a good weekend. Nick Wayne on that show against Ethan HG. Nick Wayne 
it's becoming a superfluous thing. I know over and over again, had an awesome match Saturday night or on Sunday night, had a great match on Saturday at the GCW show against Jordan Oliver as well, too. There were so many good shows and good wrestling matches this weekend. I know all the attention was on Saudi Arabia, but that's why I wanted to talk about some of that stuff last Friday because there was a lot of stuff. The Jersey Championship Wrestling Show, House of Hardcore Prestige, the GCW shows, the Sean Henderson shows. Obviously, there was triple play and impact as well too but when it came to you know some of the the indies out there there was really good stuff that was taking place there was one good thing that took place last night eh, some more than that but one good match at least that took place on nxt 2.0 last night and that was the main event between tomaso champa and dolph ziggler but uh, the show opened up should i do a proper cut here let's do a proper cut right here so the guys that do the videos and put them up on YouTube, if they want this to be the clip for everybody, the NXT 2.0 review, even though Brian's not doing it, here's the chance. A clean edit right here for you. Okay, here it goes. The opening of the show last night, clips from last week's Vengeance Day, which led to Braun Breaker's entrance. This was Braun's practice for the main roster. That 20-minute promo he's going to have to cut at the beginning wasn't that bad. It was only like, you know, like 8 to 10 minutes here with Dolph Ziggler. Uh, but uh, he saluted Santos Escobar, but says over his dead body, uh, will someone take the NXT championship? Brings out Dolph Ziggler, uh, who, of course, says that eh, not only will I take it over your dead body, uh, you won't even make it into WrestleMania as the champion. So... When he says the time is right, he's going to take that belt off of him. He uh, says Braun's only the guy in Orlando and that uh, tonight Dolph's giving him the night off because he has got him barred from ringside for Dolph's match against Tommaso Ciampa. After that, we got a recap of L.A. Knight and Grayson Waller. Uh, L.A. Knight jumped out early, pretty much held the advantage uh, going into the picture-in-picture at some point. Waller reversed everything, took back over, and uh, that's how we came back. Long story short, Waller got the roll of victory. Knight hit his finisher on the big bodyguard, Senga. Uh, also on Waller, left him laying and walked out. So this feud apparently must continue. We then got Dakota Kai walking around backstage earlier in the day and looking for Wendy Chu. Chu, of course, was asleep, and Kai woke her up in shock uh, and, and was shocked, I should say, that they are in the Dusty Cup. Apparently, Chu made up this team and then got them entered in the cup never told kai anything about this chu apologized and said she told dakota kai's invisible friend uh to let her know about everything and, and kai seemed uh, shocked about that like she doesn't have an invisible friend and then went back to talking to herself as soon as chu walked away I'm not making any of this up. After a break, we have another uh, training package, video package for Cora Jade and Raquel Gonzalez's team. This time, they're going to use Jade's training methods at the Tree Trek Adventure Park, but Raquel's afraid of heights. So this ended up becoming a music video highlight package that ended with Raquel conquering her fears on a zip line, and now they're truly fearless leading into the Dusty Cup. I, just, I, I don't. I'm not making this up. Mandy Rose, J.C. Jane, Gigi Dolan are interviewed backstage by Mackenzie Mitchell in the Toxic Lounge. Bad dialogue, not written by any of them. That and it came off that way. Not their faults. Uh, yesterday, I had two people from WWE bust my cojones over the fact that I said Raquel Gonzalez was still the the women's champion. Okay, that three uh, person, uh, that three way I had uh, with Raquel, Io, and Kaylee Ray that would have Raquel losing and going up to the main roster and Io winning the belt and feuding with Kaylee Ray. 
Great. Throw Mandy Rose into that. She loses the belt. Raquel still goes up to the main roster. EO still takes it and still feuds with Kaylee Ray. I think we'd all be winners there. How about that? Dusty Cup round one. EO Shirai and Kaylee Ray beat Lash Legend and Omari Miller. Two minutes, 46 seconds. Both Kaylee Ray and Io Shirai delivered uh, moonsaults onto Lash's knees. She didn't look like she liked that a whole lot, but that's what happens when you're not in position. Uh, Brooks Jensen is backstage. He's depressed, uh, but Briggs uh, convinced him to tape a promo for a dating app. And it was like 20 or 30 seconds of cornball stuff. Dante Chen, Duke Hudson. Chen attacked Hudson from behind as he came out of the entranceway. Uh, but that didn't last long. Uh, Hudson got the victory with a razor's edge. Basic, solid. No no beef with anything that happened there. Uh, Carmelo Hayes and Trick Williams came out for a promo that Pete Dunn interrupted. Uh, Dunn challenged him for the North American Championship next week. Trick was going to shoot him down, but uh, Carmelo said he is the A champion and he accepted the deal. I'm not sure about this clean-shaven Cameron Grimes yet, but uh, he attacked Melo and Trick from behind, dumped him from the ring, and that's when the show went to break. When we got back, Cameron Grimes and Trick were at it. Grimes ended up getting the win with a flying body press and a double foot stop goes on faces Carmelo Hayes for the North American Championship next week. Then we got more Briggs and Jensen or Brooks and Jensen or Brooks and Dunn or whatever the hell these guys are. Do you live in a cornfield? Because I'm stalking you. This was one of the jokes. Another one, if you were a Transformer, you'd be Optimus Fine. He's still obsessed with Caden Carter. Uh, Chomp on Braun had a moment backstage. Uh, then there was a Nikita Lyons vignette. Uh, when we got back, uh, went to a break. When we got back, a Chase Usket, he's still doing the Bobby Knight meet Sam Kinison and back to school thing and still feuding with Von Wagner, challenged him for next week. Then it was time for Dakota Lyons. Uh, got his uh, her debut against Boss Man's favorite new NXT superstar, Kayla Inlay. Uh, Inlay got in way too much offense. This match went for way too long. Lyons ended up getting a head kit and then did a split on the Inlay to pick up the victory. Again, some showcase things for Nikita Lyons, but unfortunately, the problem with that, the match went on too long. Persia Parada then came into the locker room to congratulate Duke Hudson. He kissed her. Indy catches him. She says, ew. Persia leaves. Duke questions why she would say, ew, when she used to like it. Indy says that was a long time ago. Duke says it doesn't have to be. And then he looks over. The camera pans over. And there's Dexter Loomis, who just sadly drops his head and walks away in shame. Indy says, it's not what it seems. Then looks at Duke and says, I despise you. And took off after Dexter. I know you can't wait for the rest of the NXT 2.0 for you review, but you're going to have to. Two and a half minutes or so, we'll be back. Wrestling Observer Live. All right, back at it. Wrestling Observer Live here. The rest of this 2.0 review. So, after uh, Andre Chase went nuts earlier on, Robert Stone, Von Wagner cut a promo. They accepted the challenge. Who are the baby faces in that feud? There are no one, right? This is Cody Rhodes should go to NXT. He was tired of old tropes like baby faces and heels. Everybody's a heel, I think, in NXT. I don't know. The Creed brothers on the mic with Malcolm Bivens. Bivens talked for a while, asked if it was Uchiwali or one mic. I appreciated that. Uh, Imperium came out, Creed's attacked him, Walter went after, sorry, Gunther went after Bivens, but Solo Sokoa laid, made the save, laid him out with a super kick. Later on, Malcolm Bivens tried to uh, thank Solo Sokoa, who said, 
Went about Malcolm Bivens. He did that for himself. Briggs and Jensen still being geeks when Fallon walks in. I think that's her name. She revealed all you have to do to be on a dating app nowadays is take a picture. So she does set up a profile for him. Joe Gacy said that Harland is going to be facing Draco next week in the other half of the Dusty Cup, Caden Carter, and Casey Cannizzaro defeated Tatum Paxley and Ivy Nile afterwards. Ivy Nile laid out Tatum Paxley, walked away with Roderick Strong up the ramp, so I guess Paxley is not going to be a part of uh, the Diamond Mind main event. Dolph Ziggler, Tommaso Ciampa, what a surprise. Best thing on the show, two old pros. Good match, nice ride to the end after a long fight to get out of Ziggler's sleeper hold. Ciampa gave him an air raid crash on the apron, rolled Ziggler in, and as the ref started checking on him, a guy, one of the cameramen, hit Ron Breaker with a camera, rolled him into the ring. He stumbled into a super kick from Ziggler, got the pin. Of course, the man revealed himself to be Bobby Roode. Ron Breaker ran out. Everybody brawled at the end, and we're going to have... A pretty damn good tag match for next week's show. So I think I pretty much got into everything that was going on, at least everything that was on my mind. Actually, I got a lot more on my mind, but you'll uh, have to wait till tomorrow to do that. Wrestling Observer Live, Big Boss Man Brian Alvarez will be back, and of course, for subscribers over at WrestlingObserver.com, he will be back with Dave Meltzer for Wrestling Observer Radio late tonight. Early tomorrow morning, reviewing AEW and everything that's taking place in professional wrestling. I want to thank producer John, producer Dom, and all of you for tuning in. We shall talk to you again after a while.